Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. Ahead on NFL Live, Vontez Burfick doesn't seem to want to play along. He's suspended for the remainder of the season for his latest helmet-to-helmet hit. Adam Schefter reporting the initial MRI on Mitchell Trubisky reveals a dislocated left shoulder right now. Surgery is not necessary. The hope to be back sooner rather than later. And Ron Rivera says Kyle Allen will get the green light again against the Jags. He gave no timetable for Cam Newton's return. We're happy to have you with us on what is another busy Monday afternoon. I'm Wendy Nix, Chris Mortensen, Ryan Clark, and Tim Hasselbeck. Vontez Perfect has been fined or suspended 17 times during his NFL career, and now the league appears to be determined to send a strong message. He's been suspended for the rest of the season for this helmet-to-helmet hit. Last night on Colts tight end Jack Doyle, his agent now telling Josina Anderson, however, he will appeal The league said he will not be paid during this suspension, which covers the postseason as well. The appeal expected to be heard this week. Here's NFL VP John Runnan had this to say. There were no mitigating circumstances on this play. Your contact was unnecessary, flagrant, and should have been avoided. You have continued to flagrantly abuse rules designed to protect yourself and your opponents from unnecessary risk. This was in a letter to Vontez Perfect explaining the suspension. It was not his first run-in, to say the least, in the 2015 wildcard round. He was suspended three games after that hit on Antonio Brown. He hit Chiefs fullback Anthony Sherman during the 2017 preseason. Uh, he also served a three-game suspension for that, and then the late helmet-to-helmet hit on Colts tight end Jack Doyle. If he does serve all 12 games of this suspension, it would be the longest suspension for an on-field incident in NFL history. He's been suspended six games for two violations of player safety rules. One again for that hit on Antonio Brown and then for the preseason hit on Anthony Sherman. He also served, by the way, a four-game PED suspension that came last year. Overreaction Monday, and we'll certainly start with Vontez Burfick. The season-long suspension for Burfick is warranted. Ryan, is that an overreaction? This is not an overreaction. I'm a guy who played the game in a physical manner. I played with James Harrison, one of the more physical players in the history of the National Football League, at least recently. And we all started to understand that you had to change the way you played to fit into the rules. You had to understand what era we were in. It was the concussion era. We were learning more about CTE. They were trying to make us more aware about what these type of hits and what these type of injuries can do for us long term. And so you knew that the rules were changing. You had to change along with the rules. And if you listen to what you were reading that John Runyon stated, he kept using the word flagrant. And I think that's the most important thing here because I believe if Vontaze Burfick was showing that he was attempting to change his game, showing that he was going to lower his entry point on his hits and on some of this physicality, I believe they would have had a little more leniency on him if he showed some type of contrition or at least some acceptance of the rules, and he hasn't done that. Well, there's certainly something to be said if there was some kind of uh, misunderstanding or he misconstrued a rule, Tim. But to Ryan's point, 
It's just over and over again, and it seems to be, to use his word, flagrant. Yeah. Well, yeah, I want to disagree with John Runyon's comments. I'll go not on overreaction as well. I think Ryan makes a lot of good points about the fact that, you know, like his behavior hasn't changed on the mm-hmm. field. And I, and I think that's probably, you know, the, the thing that is maybe the hardest to understand because, you know, as players, even when you're playing against somebody, even if it's a rival or somebody that you don't even personally like, like even if that's the case, Players aren't out to hurt other players. Mm-hmm. They're just not. That's certainly not my experience. And, and, and so I think when you look at some of this stuff, and, you know, John Runyon, you know, kind of was saying that there weren't mitigating circumstances. I believe that there are some times that guys get fined and there are certain hits where I'm like, man, it was such a bang-bang play. Right. The guy's lower, he's lowering <laughs> yeah. his, his pad level. Yep. There's a lot of that stuff. Listen, perfect lined up Jack Doyle, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and it was the crown of his head. I mean, it was there's so many elements of what they don't want you to do that I think they have to send a loud yeah. and clear message. And the problem, once again, more this is time and time and time again. Yeah, it's perfect. And, and, and as, as John Munyon said, you know, these are repeat violations. Mm-hmm. And he's already had a meeting with Commissioner Roger Goodell a, a couple of years ago. Uh, and so. Despite the repeated warnings, despite the meetings, despite coaches trying to uh, certainly t- mm-hmm. teach differently, he's, he's ignored it, whether it's deliberate or not. Mm-hmm. But he didn't show contrition yesterday, that's for right. sure, blowing kisses while he's walking off the field. But there's a couple of things here we should probably just clean up a little bit. His PED violation is not factored into yes. this. This yeah. is only for the on-field issues. John Runyon kind of oversees that for the, for the league. He's a former player. Mm-hmm. Burfick will appeal. He will be appealing to one of two former players in this league, James Thrash, who was a wide mm-hmm, receiver, mm-hmm. or Derek Brooks, the Hall of Fame linebacker. They were the hearing appeals officers who are jointly paid by the league and the NFL Players Association. So, in reality, they're neutral. So, whatever mm-hmm. they do, they did reduce his last suspension from five games to, I think, three it was. Mm-hmm. The last time he, suspend, he was suspended. So, he's over in London right now with the team. He can't practice with them. But that hearing is heard tomorrow, probably. And they'll have a decision by Wednesday morning is what I would expect. Uh, could he have it reduced? Yes. But this is for the season and postseason. Mm-hmm. And they needed to send a message, like right. you said. They sent it. Tim said something really good, though. He spoke about on-field actions. And I think a lot of times people get confused and they want the NFL to become the moral compass for the world. Right. And when guys do things off the field, they want them to say, okay, you can't play football because of these things. But when it comes to the actual football play, and keeping the integrity of the game and standing up to player safety and those things that those words that they use all the time, they had to send a strong message here. In, in one of those meetings, certainly with, with, uh, with the league and Commissioner Goodell and Troy Vincent, the uh, executive vice president of football operations for the league, one of the messages they s- to say is we're not just protecting the opposing players. We're trying to protect you. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when you put your head down, you're at risk. Too, yeah. and you, uh, Absolutely. Unfortunately, we've known too many players who have been the person who has done the striking, yeah. who's ended up injured, hurt. and sometimes well, yeah. seriously injured. Everybody's in danger, and the league would be extremely remiss to say they care about player safety and not move swiftly on this, 100%. because at the bottom line, it is a player safety issue. Uh, there are a number of injuries to update on this Monday afternoon, as there often are, including Bears quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. We now know he suffered a left shoulder injury more, but there's been some updates now that he's had a further MRI. Yeah, our Adam Schefter is reporting that he has a dislocated left shoulder, which I don't think surprises anybody. Slight tear of the labrum, but not enough that he needs surgery. That's the report right now from Adam. The Bears have not had any comment on that. So Adam is saying, is reporting that he should be back sooner than later. We don't know what that means. 
even though it's his, quote, non-throwing shoulder, he still plays football. So right. uh, that's not something you would expect any quick return. In the meantime, Chase Daniel, actually, who now takes over, has more familiarity with the offense uh, mm-hmm. than, than uh, Mitch Trubisky. What do you see, and I know it was a very small sample size, but what do you see from Chase Daniel enough to think he can hold down the fort here, Tim? Well, I mean, he's proved throughout his career that he can hold down the fort. I mean, a lot of times you're looking for your backup quarterback if he's got to start, you know, two games or start four games. You know, can he win half of them? Can, can he do that? So he comes in against a division opponent and does enough for them to win the game. Listen, he's, he's in there to operate the offense. Mm-hmm. Mitchell Trubisky is a better athlete can create more offense, but he's in there to operate it. And so, um, you know, if Adam's report is right and if the team's feeling is right about, you know, not needing surgery and, and uh, you know, Mitchell Trubisky coming back, all right, so if he starts four games, he finished one and they won mm-hmm. it, and if he starts four games, can he win two of them? And if he can... Teddy Bridgewater is just... Uh, yes, one, yeah, two I mean, listen, and... Listen, I, I've been a backup and had a coach say, listen, here's, here's, just, here's the deal. <laughs> right. If you start four games, we expect you to win half of them. Right. That's what we here we go. This do. is where we you are. Do the well, math, I like right? it. I can do the math. I'm like, all right, too. Yeah, how about if I uh, – okay. like, Let's just see where we go. The defense going to play really well. Uh, yeah. but, so, but that's what you need your backup to do. Chase did it against the Vikings. You know, with this team, the Bears, I mean, what is their strong suit? I mean, they, they dominated well, the Vikings yesterday yeah. with, with a linebacker, Roquan Smith, sitting out mm-hmm. uh, for personal reasons. That defense is deep, and it's mm-hmm. dominating. And so this guy, Chase Daniel, can operate this offense. Yeah, efficiently. Yeah, Very efficiently. Exactly. And you heard Tim speak about Teddy Bridgewater. If you look at the way the New Orleans Saints are winning football games now, it's not the normal way. It's not what you've seen with Drew Brees. The defense has stepped up. Special teams touchdowns against Seattle. That's the way the Chicago Bears are going to win. But I think they even have a better place or a better person at quarterback in Chase Daniel who understands this offense. He's a distributor of the football, 22 completions yesterday, and he moves the ball around. And he actually made some throws that Mitchell Trubisky, from a touch standpoint, Mm -hmm. hasn't made throughout this season. And so I think you're confident in having uh, Chase Daniel as your quarterback if you're Matt Nagy. And you understand that with this defense, you will be in every game. It's about right. making the smart plays, not turning the ball over, and finding ways for your playmakers to get balls in space. You hate to say manage the game, but in effect, with that defense, that's exactly what they're yeah. doing. Yeah. And, and I don't know why that's it's not a bad thing. I don't know why no, people I know, think right. that's but so you say bad. It, you say it, you're like, oh, okay, okay. It's like, well, yeah, guess what? I get it to good players, right. and they, they run yeah. in. Well, and we get like, a W. <laughs> there you go. Well, like Ryan just said, he completed 22 passes. That's not just managing. Right. Well, speaking of stellar defense, that is what we expected out of Denver. They have taken a hit now. We know that this new on NFL Live, and it comes via a tweet from Adam Schefter, uh, outside linebacker Bradley Chubb tore his ACL. It's according to sources, and he's out for the year. And that, Mort, is a big blow for that defense. He finally got its first sack yesterday. Yeah, it, it did. And this is, you know, a dynamic player. And it's, it's obviously, they're 0-4. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not good. I've, I've heard that's not good. Uh, <laughs> sources but, tell you? Hey, but, <laughs> that's hey, the sources thing. Adam actually reported that he tore it during the game and went back yeah. in. And, yeah. and, and, and that tells you about it. So it's a, it's a big blow, obviously. Yeah. Listen, coming into this year, we were excited about this defense because you thought you'd have Von Miller on one side Vic and coaching. Bradley Chubb yeah. on the other side. And you bring over Vic Fangio, who we watched Khalil Mack explode for last year in Chicago. And we actually haven't seen that this year. Has his first sack, first forced fumble this weekend against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And you're hoping 
that things could start turning around. And now that you lose Bradley Chubb, all that focus of the offensive line sliding the protection will be on Vaughn Miller on a team that's already struggling for sacks and struggling to stop people and just can't find a win. Mm-hmm. The NFL can be so deflating when you think about how some of these games have ended for the Denver Broncos. I mm-hmm. mean, two last-second field goals are part of those two losses. Yes. And then you take one of your best young players and you lose them for you know the year. When you go into the facility the next day experiencing that just a month into the season – it's just hard. I mean, it's hard for your team to overcome it. And I think that, you know, you'll really end up seeing the veteran leadership and what kind of coach Vic Fangio is dealing with the early adversity mm-hmm. they've faced. Well, speaking of Vic Fangio, he did just confirm Schefter's report. He called it a partial tear. But nevertheless, Chubb will have surgery, and he is, in fact, lost for the season. Our week four Monday night matchup is an AFC North battle between the Bengals and the Steelers at Heinz Field, both looking their first win of the season, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific, on ESPN, ESPN Deportes, and the ESPN app. Our coverage begins with Monday night countdown at 6 o'clock. We say hello now to Lisa Salters, who, as she is every week, will be on the sidelines tonight. And Lisa, the Bengals haven't faced a Steelers quarterback not named Roethlisberger since 03. How are things shaping up for second-year man Mason Rudolph as he gets ready for his second start? Yeah, Wendy. Well, Mason Rudolph knows that he has to play better than he did last week. He told us he made mistakes in his first start against the 49ers, mistakes that he doesn't usually make. But he watched the film, said he had a good week of practice working on cleaning things up, especially, he said, in pre-snap protection communications. Uh, Rudolph said that Ben Roethlisberger, who, as you know, had elbow surgery last Monday, has been very encouraging and helpful. Texted Rudolph after last week's loss, told Mason, look, you got to step up, be vocal, lead this team in his absence. Roethlisberger was at practice on Friday and is expected to be here on the sidelines tonight to offer whatever support that he can to his understudy. But Mike Tomlin said right now it's not about Big Ben. Mason's got to do it. He said Ben cannot be that crutch. Mason's got to do it on his own. Wendy? Well, in the other half of this equation, the Bengals do have some stability at quarterback, but Andy Dalton and company are still 0-3. Why does Dalton think this team has stumbled out of the gate the way it has? Yeah, well, Andy Dalton trailed only Patrick Mahomes in passing yards entering this week. But with an 0-3 record, those are just yards, right? Uh, Dalton's play has been up and down, five touchdown passes, but three interceptions. And he told us inconsistency. It's It's what's been holding their offense back. But it's also been their inability to run the ball. Coming into week four, the Bengals had the worst ground game in the league. And that does not sit well with their lead back, Joe Mixon. Who told us last night, it starts with me. Nixon will be looking for a breakout game tonight, though, not only because the Steelers are giving up almost 140 rushing yards a game this season, bottom five in the league, but because Mixon's 6.6 yards per carry career average against Pittsburgh is his best against any team. So you got to figure something's going to give here tonight, Wendy. Something's got to give, Lisa, and somebody's got to win, which will mean somebody gets their first win of the season. <laughs> That's not necessarily, That's not not necessarily well, I, I guess, true. I guess you're right. We could have a tie, but we're going we're gonna to say for the sake of argument that we come away with a win. So, Ryan, I'll ask you first the key for this Steelers team if they come out with the W. 
you just heard Lisa speak about the run game for Cincinnati, but the key for the Pittsburgh Steelers is to get their run game going. There's so much focus on Mason Rudolph and what he'll be able to do, but what about James Conner? What about Samuels and this offensive line that is really the strong fo- uh, point of this team? There are veteran guys there. There are guys that understand how you win in the AFC North. They have to lean on them to get James Conner in some open space, and we can see some of the success we saw last year, especially early. There was the reason people were so okay with Le'Veon Bell not resigning, and that was because they looked mm-hmm. at James Conner's mm-hmm. numbers right. and expected those things to continue. You want to help a young quarterback? Get him a run game and allow him to get into the play-action pass. And the key for the Bengals? Don't give the game away. I mean, yeah. you're facing a team that's struggling, facing a team that, that is playing their backup quarterback who you know really didn't play great out the gate you know, last week in his first start. And so I think when you look at you know, that, what do you do? The key to that is, you know, rely on Joe Mixon. And then you think about, you know, Andy Dalton, who has thrown for a bunch of yards. He has not played great mm-hmm. in some of these big moments that he's seen throughout his career. And, you know, Monday Night Football by players is seen like a big moment. And so when you look at that, just don't, don't make the mistakes that make it hard for your team to win. I know, I know it's kind of a, that's a, you know, in somewhat of a cop out, like, hey, run the ball and don't turn the football over. But you're playing a team that, that doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. that's been struggling, and you're playing their backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. Don't give them the football on your own third, on yeah. your thirty-yard line. And I think that Cincinnati's got a chance to win the game if that's the case. Well, listen, we talked about Andy Dalton. He hasn't played well, but he also has not had the services of AJ Green. Yes, uh, he continues to be out. And now, Morty, it sounds like the return isn't imminent. No, he had preseason ankle surgery, and remember, he missed seven games last year with a different injury. It looks like he'll miss seven games to start this season because he's even though he's been out of a walking boot for a while, he's running, he's working out. He'll probably miss two more games after this, including another AFC North game against Baltimore in a couple of weeks. So, therefore, when they get him back they, and they want to get him back strong, he wants to come back 100%. I think they'll be better. We forget this Bengals team almost went to Seattle and won a game on the road. They almost went to Buffalo, Buffalo and yep. won a game on the road. And they're missing some pieces. So, yeah, if they can manage tonight's game, then the winner of this game actually – is what, one game behind the leader in the AFC North? Is that right? No, absolutely. You're yeah. right. And so, so, it's, you, so actually, you're not the winner of this it. game, is, it's a, this is an important game. Well, and in a tradition like no other, we'll pick this game. You know, we pick Ooh, these oh, Monday night we matchups. We'll, we'll tell you what we think, but you're going to have to wait for that. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to GEICO. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. 40 points and 530 total yards yesterday. They're most in a game since 07 and a 40-25 to 25 win in Baltimore. Here's Baker Mayfield on the Browns turning things around. That's the frustrating part about how we started. Uh, we knew how good we could be. We just needed to do our job, and that's what our guys did this week. We focused, uh, head down, and worked. The win's great, uh, but I hope everybody keeps the same energy. Threw us in the trash. We won't forget it. This is one game. Just like last week, it was just one game. This is one game. We've got, I don't know how many more, 12 more to go. Okay? So... That's all it is, is one game. We've got a game. We've got to go to San Francisco. That's going to be a huge, huge challenge for us. 
is to go out there on the West Coast Monday night football again and see how we respond and handle that situation. I want to be very clear here. This is one game. Okay, there's one game, and we want to be clear. Mike Tannenbaum joins us uh, as we overreact on this Monday, and this is a pretty good one uh, to overreact on. The Browns have fixed their offense. Mike, is that an overreaction or no? No, it's not. I really like the bounce they had. Specifically, they came out in two tight ends for 24 plays. In their first three games combined, they were in two tight ends for 24 plays. In their two wins, they ran the ball 29 times and 21 times. So I like their bounce. I think that puts them in the best position to be successful. It's not an overreaction. And I know we have a little laugh uh, at Freddie Kitchens of the way he handles his questions. One One game, one game. Listen, but back in when the hype was going on in the offseason, Freddie was saying, look, until we face adversity, we can't, we can't talk about how good we're going to be. Mm-hmm. He's always been grounded in this situation, and they went back to details. Whole new offensive staff, basically a whole new defensive staff. I mean, they have the receivers uh, coach mm-hmm. back, as you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I like the way Freddie handled last week based on what I heard. A lot of detail. Keep your head down, guys. Keep believing. And they came up with a game plan, and... Now, all of a sudden, the, the, the sirens aren't going off, at least for one game. Right. <laughs> <laughs> at least for one game. This is an overreaction for me for exactly what Freddie Kitchen said. Yeah, it's one, one game. game. And even if you point to the New York Jets game in which they won and they rushed the ball, they were also up in that game. And so now it's going to be, can we stick to this consistently? Can this be the team that we are? Can we be patient and start off with Nick Chubb and move into the play-action game like we saw them do against Baltimore, which set a tone of physicality. And here's the other part that I'm overreacting to. I am overreacting to Baker Mayfield, and here's why. Last week, Baker, you told us if we're not wearing brown or orange, we don't matter. And now you want us to keep (laughs) the same energy. You got to figure out, are you listening to us and using what we say as a point to have a chip on your shoulder, or are you not? Because well, you I mean, can't he said worry we throw them in the trash and you, they won't forget it. Yeah, you so. can't worry about us when you're playing good and then when you're playing bad, you're not. This team needs to focus on what they did Sunday, which was the right way to approach offense. And at some point, we have to give uh, props to Steve Wilkes and his defense. Yeah. You're playing with there the back mm-hmm. end that is depleted. You lose both Thank starting you. corners. And two weeks in a row, you come and you give your team a chance to win and you actually pull it off against the Ravens. It's been great what he's done there coming over from Arizona where he was kind of jettisoned as a head coach. But yeah. again, one game. Kinda. It is one game. That's why it's an overreaction for me. And I think you're right, Mike, about their balance being, you know, being where you want it to be. I, I think the flow of the game helped the balance be what it was this past week, obviously having some success running it. To answer your question, he is paying attention. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Well, I don't think we, really. What we've realized, if there's one thing yes. going on in Cleveland, whether they're fixing their offense or not, he's paying attention. As what Damian Woody. Yeah, that's right. One other X factor, though, they scored 40 points. Odell Beckham only had two catches. Can he be, be okay with that? Right, exactly. And be that's okay a big with it. Well, that is the question. So, we, we asked that in the offseason, what would happen when that when, turned out to be the case. When Odell Beckham Jr. scores his touchdown against the Jets, the first guy there is Jarvis Landry. He's the happiest guy on the field. He's more excited than Odell Beckham Jr. is. On, Odell, on uh, Jarvis Landry's huge catch yesterday where he gets over Odell. 60 yards, Odell is the guy leading him. I, I said it all offseason. There's something about that relationship that will help 
not only Odell Beckham Jr., but that team be successful despite his number of targets or catches. He was targeted yesterday. What happened was Marlon Humphrey put them hands on him one in the more ways than football. one. Oh, yeah. What happens if Ricky Seals-Jones ends up being the guy that's targeted <laughs> well, more? Well, yesterday was not Jarvis. <laughs> yesterday well, he had two what great catches. So, yeah. if, if Nick Chubb is the guy that's getting featured more. <laughs> and, and just a you quick, know, I, you know. Just a quick reminder. The, re- the reason why there's a relationship there is that Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. played at LSU together and formed that relationship, that bond back then. They're mm-hmm. reunited now in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Hmm, LSU. No, oh, it's funny yeah. why I didn't yeah. brought it up. Yeah, go ahead. He didn't mention. I mean, All right, listen, while we've got I'm Mike I'm trying here, to talk about the NFL, guys. Oh, oh I'm taking the high road. There you go. Welcome. Listen, uh, the Jaguars should trade Jalen Ramsey this year. That's what we'll talk about next as we continue through Overreaction Monday. He traveled with the team was on the sidelines over the weekend but did not play after missing practice all week, whether it be with the flu, the tightness in his back, or the birth of a child. So at some point, this situation seems like it needs a resolution for everybody's sake. But is that an overreaction, Mike? Absolutely. They should try to solve this problem. And the most effective leadership I've seen is player-led leadership. The front office can talk to him, talk to his agent, the head coach can. But someone like Calais Campbell has to come along and say, hey, you know what, Jalen? There's a time and a place to address your contract. We all have our economic goals. That's in the offseason. We found this guy, Gardner Minshew. Maybe we caught lightning in the bottle. Mm-hmm. Let's deal with that in the offseason in terms of what you want. And let's rally around this guy. Right now, everyone's 2-2 two and two in the AFC South. Let's see what we can accomplish. And hopefully somebody in that Jaguar locker room can step up and help solve this problem. Because if they can, he's a great player and they could still accomplish all their goals this year. Yeah, it's an overreaction. I agree with you, Mike. I think try to fix it with a guy that's a good player because you can maybe win your division. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, to your point, maybe you found something, a quarterback, you can win your division. A good player would certainly help you. And, um, you know, I think there can be more player pressure, even when players are very careful about getting involved in someone's business when it has to do with the contract, which I certainly think this does you can apply a little bit more pressure when your team is having some success. Um, you know, I think the other thing is we got to figure out, like, what are the injuries going to be this week? You know, what are, you what know, are the distractions well, going to be this you week? Can, right. well, first used, off, bro, you, you can use, have a back injury you use, you I was going to say, like that can, those things week. can linger. <laughs> My back tight right now. <laughs> look at you chair. playing through the pain. <laughs> you hear it. You absolutely hear it. That's the kind of player-led leadership. That's what we want. Follow my example. My back tight right now. This is only one wrong with my L5. Oh, now we're throwing out L5. Is it an overreaction? Yeah, listen, I, I think it's an overreaction because he is such a good player. And the other thing that I think we're missing is this isn't economic. Because if it's economic, you do what Melvin Gordon did. If it's economic, you do what Ezekiel Elliott did. It doesn't all of a sudden become an economic problem week three after you and your coach get into it. But there are some economics to this, right? There are economics to, to this, yeah. but, 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 but when I when I speak to people and they tell me, hey, look, he was willing to play out the deal, then that doesn't tell me that this is purely based on the fact that he wants money but he, or he wants his contract done. But, right, even more so then, let's get in the room and solve it. Let's have our teammates rally around him and let's get all no, the issues I, on the I, I table. Think, because we have an opportunity to win the division this year. From what I hear, though, it's only one issue. It's, it's not, it's it's not, t- it's not, it's not a bevy of issues. It's Tom Coleman. And when you were referring to Tom. The yeah. is the relationship or something that Tom said to him, and it's probably even built up, although I think Jalen's forgetting that Tom came to his defense mm-hmm. in that fight with A.J. Green, actually released a public statement saying we, we support uh, 
Jalen Ramsey. It's an overreaction because of this. Number one, Charles Khan, the owner of Jaguars, doesn't want to trade him for the right reasons. And he is willing to pay him the money that he wants. So, therefore, this is all about where Jalen wants to be and why he doesn't want to be there. Uh, well, yesterday's result was interesting because you won without Jalen Ramsey, who's never missed a game in his life, high school, college, or football, uh, pro. Mm-hmm. So that could say that could release you to say, we got freedom now. We can trade this guy. He's our best player or one of our best players, and we can win without him. That's not it. Mm-hmm. This team was in the AFC Championship game two years ago. Right. Almost got to the Super Bowl. That's their goal this year. So, as Bill Parcells has always said, the idea in this league is what? It's to collect good players, not to get rid here's of good the, players. The, here, to me, here's where the pressure begins to mount, and, and it becomes player pressure. When you're 2-2 two and two and you have an opportunity to win your division, and even in watching that game, though they beat Denver, Joe Flacco by far had his best game as a Denver Bronco. Emmanuel Sanders had over 100 yards receiving. Cortland Sutton, Sutton, two touchdowns. And so you understand there's a need for Jalen Ramsey. If Gardner Minshew does continue to play the way that he has, Leonard Fournette runs the ball this way, and you have a chance to make it to the playoffs, that's the way you get player pressure because it's like, yeah, Jalen, I understand what you're going through. You sat on the podium and said you are here to win. We have an opportunity to win, and we want you to be a part of that. That's where the pressure begins to be applied to Jalen Ramsey because now it's going to be are you true to your word and what you said that this is about winning games? Hey, it was interesting because the camera kept looking at him on that final drive. I wonder what he was thinking because Gardner Minshew is getting hit. He's limping around. Mm-hmm. They figure out a way to get down there, kick the winning field goal. I wonder if Jalen's starting to have some second thoughts about, okay, maybe there's another way I can handle this mm-hmm. because – my window is now, and it was one of those moments where you hope they could all rally around together. Well, what, it's Monday, right? So they treatment, whatever, then tomorrow day off. So what, Wednesday, I would presume, would be the first day back to practice. I guess we'll no see. No more children to be born yet th- no, this year. No, we don't. That's right. But again, to Ryan's point, back tightness, that, that can linger. But we'll see. Uh, our top story this afternoon, though, has to do with Raiders linebacker Vontez Perfect. He has been suspended for the rest of the 2019 season for this helmet-to-helmet hit on Colts tight end Jack Doyle. Burfick's agent says he has appealed that suspension. The appeal is expected to be heard this week. And here's an update from Jeremy Fowler. Vontez Burfick made the trip to London with the Raiders, and he's returning to the States in light of his season-long suspension. Appeal will likely be heard mid to late week. So long fight to make just to turn around and come back, Mike. But at this point, at the very least, he's not playing this week. So uh, your take on a season-long suspension? I think what the league is doing right now, they're sending a very strong message about player safety and its importance and also Vontez Burfick's prior history. With that said, I wouldn't be surprised on appeal if that suspension was shortened to some degree because a season-long suspension obviously is basically... It's unprecedented. It's unprecedented. It, it, it is First unprecedented. Time. So I think you could have the best of both worlds. You could send the right message, unacceptable, and this behavior can happen, and yet maybe they'll shorten it on appeal. If this appeal doesn't go through, he's going to lose over eight hundred thousand dollars in lost salary for the rest of the year. He's That's lost a lot over of five million in his career. <laughs> Obviously, it's <laughs> not important. <laughs> right? So that means eight hundred thousand doesn't matter. Yeah, for the, it. Now the That's other part a lot of, this, of money, bro. <laughs> Wendy, the other part of this is the Raiders <laughs> will get an exemption for Vontez Burfick because they don't know mm. right now he's suspended. He'll go on a reserve list, so they'll be able to sign another player if and when that appeal is overturned and he's reinstated, then he can then join the Raiders. But basically, they have to juggle a roster spot throughout this whole process. Mm. What, do you, what do you, as a team or a GM or a head coach, I mean, how frustrated are you with a guy like Vontez Burke simply because this behavior has been 
continuously repeated it. And now he took himself off the field. Wendy, every week you sit down with your head coach, you sit there shoulder to shoulder and say, hey, what are the challenges this week? It could be an injury, suspension, back tightness, somebody's having to get whatever, whatever it may be. And it's just the next challenge that collectively we have to face. Hey, we're going to London. We need a middle linebacker. We're going to look at our practice squad, maybe a trade play for a player. And that's what you just deal with. It's a week-to-week existence, as Coach Kitchens would say. And you just try to put the best 53 roster you can. And hopefully, in Burfick's case, maybe you get him back towards the end of the season. But right now, you have to assume he's going to be ineligible. Well, and right now, the way the suspension stands, it is Coots the postseason. So yes. uh, there's that. But again, it has been appealed. Hey, 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 Gardner Minshew won his second straight start on Sunday, leading the Jags to a comeback win on the road in Denver. Minshew drove the Jags 60 yards in about 90 seconds on their final drive, setting up the game-winning field goal as time expired. And that, my friends, is how legends are made. So how about this on Overreaction Monday? It is Gardner Minshew's job to keep. Tim. I'll start by saying it's an overreaction With that being said, it doesn't mean that it can't be accomplished at some point. I mean, you know, he continues to do this, continues to play well, and and the team continues to win with him as the quarterback. Yeah, then I think it would end up being a difficult decision um, and and maybe not all that difficult and one that you just end up going with him. It's premature for me now, but, you know, confidence is is an interesting thing. And all of a sudden you get a quarterback playing with a lot of confidence, the team starts to develop that confidence as well. Overreaction for now. For now. For now. He's our okay. starting quarterback. For now. <laughs> for now. Fair enough. <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely an overreaction for me, but Tim is right. Confidence is a stain that you can't wipe off. And this guy comes out and he plays this game understanding and knowing that he can accomplish the things this team needs to win. And some of the, the knocks on Gardner Minshew, you know, not being necessarily tall enough, not the elite, elite arm strength. We're seeing guys play in this league because they understand defenses. They understand schemes. They can anticipate throws. They can also get out of the pocket and make plays with their legs and find people downfield. Gardner Minshew has shown those things. He's also kind of showed us that he's a winner. Right, He wins two of the starts, two of the last starts he's had, he's had, and he's made plays for his teams to be in position to win every game he played in. Because remember, in, in Houston, they go for two to try to win the game with the run to Leonard Fournette because he drives them for a score. This kid has the goods, and at least, you know, in Jacksonville, you have a great backup to Nick Foles. Yeah, it's, it's an overreaction, and I agree with everything you guys said. Uh, but listen, they gave Nick Foles. $22 million a year to come in and be their quarterback. 50 guaranteed, right? And Nick, yes, but at the same time, Nick won that team over in the locker room as well. And Gardner Minshew has won. Listen, when they name Minshew the backup quarterback and they think they're a playoff caliber team, he's a six-round draft pick. That tells you something that they thought about Gardner Minshew by making him the backup to Nick Foles. And Foles was injured in, in the first half of the first game, so Minshew hasn't dominated, but... We know that this week to week, week to week, if this continues, it continues to roll, yeah, I mean, course. I think if, if you watch him, at least until this week, Gardner Minshew has been more Baker Mayfield, at least the Baker Mayfield I expected From to see, the than, last than, than Baker Mayfield has. You look at Gardner Minshew, you compare him to Kyler Murray, or even the little bit we saw of Dwayne Haskins. Other than Daniel Jones, when you look at the young rookies, this guy has outplayed them all both preseason and in his regular season starts. And that has to be a good feeling when you draft a guy, a team can believe in him, and he can step right in and make you a team that competes in this league. And the irony of it, but it still connects up to his success, is that he almost cut <clears throat> short his college career 
yeah. to go be a coach and the third string quarterback at Alabama to begin his coaching career. That's his command of the game in terms of his understanding. It says a lot about his understanding, yeah. Exactly. Plus, that's like a bumper sticker. Confidence is a stain. Would you say confidence is a stain you, you can't, can't wipe off? There was a great philosopher. There's a great philosopher from New Orleans named right. Dwayne Carter. Uh, we know him well as Lil Wayne. Okay, and that's all right. <laughs> I like it. Well, I feel like it should be a bumper sticker also. You didn't, you didn't need to tell her about yeah. Lil Wayne's name. You, you, what? I know you, Lil Wayne. You knew, you knew that. Yeah, I, I, did, I did. Okay, <laughs> anyway, speaking of New Orleans, Sunday night's matchup saw the Saints improve, improve to 2 0 without Drew Brees. You're the worst, Tim. Despite becoming the first Saints team since 98 to win without scoring a touchdown. Meanwhile, Ezekiel Elliott. Managed just 1.9 yards per rush. That is the second lowest total of his career. But you can thank the defense for those two wins in large part. The Saints have allowed nine fewer points per game since Drew Brees went down. They've also produced big plays. New Orleans scored two non-offensive touchdowns at Seattle last week, then forced the Cowboys to commit three turnovers last night. And it's almost as if that Saints defense got the memo, look, we're without our starting quarterback and we've got to pick up the slack here. So on overreaction Monday, I'll say this. The Saints are still the best team in the NFC. Mort. I'm going to uh, say overreaction because I believe that the Philadelphia Eagles you know, they're they're 2-2, two and two, but bottom line is the Eagles, to me, when they get healthier, I think that team is the best team in the NFC. The Saints are a close second, but I think they would have a pretty good argument, the Saints do, because Listen, Drew Brees has missed two games. Mm-hmm. They won two games. Yeah, Tim? and for that reason, it's not an overreaction right. for me. Prior to this year when they haven't had Drew Brees and he's been a member of their team, they've been, I think, over four. They hadn't won a game without him is the, is the point. And so, you know, to go on the road and beat the Seahawks and then to beat the Dallas Cowboys, who I think are a very good team, yes. they kind of play differently offensively. I mean, they, this, they are. They look different on offense than they do just in terms of how, you know, they're calling plays. Mm-hmm. And so it's their defense that's been carrying them, which I think is a great thing for a team. Yeah. It kind of weathers you, you yeah. know, to be ready to, to win games in different ways when it matters the most. This is not an overreaction for me. This team, when, when you look at losing Drew Brees and facing a road game in Seattle and having to play the Cowboys at home with the way that they were playing with the backup quarterback, I know a lot of people think to themselves, okay, that's 0-2. You try to right the ship after that and hold on until Drew Brees is back. Defensively, they played extremely well. They've played well on special teams, creating scores there. And at least watching this team play right now and thinking about Drew Brees coming back on a neutral field, I take the New Orleans Saints over the Kansas City Chiefs, over the New England Patriots. I believe that when Drew Brees gets back, if they could continue to play the way that they're playing in the other two phases of the game, that this is the best team, not only in the NFC, but can be the best team in the NFL. Their, their defense did get back Sheldon Rankins, who mm-hmm. they lost mm-hmm. to an ACL late in the, late last year. Mm-hmm. And so that's, he was in his first game last night. So, th- th- listen, maybe you're talking me into the other reaction. Yeah, you, listen, and you know what? I'll say this all seriousness with confidence. If, if they can do this without their quarterback, and if that defense you know what that'll be like? can produce, then when he does come back, you talk like about you, yeah, you That you can't wipe off. That you can't wash off. Wipe off. You also have to think about it as well. Think about this team when, when Drew Brees was, was racking up records and they were scoring, scoring at such a prolific rate, and they still couldn't win games. There yeah. were times this defense was so bad, they could score 40 and lose. And now you have a game where you don't score a touchdown, the first since 1998 that they have actually won. 
this is a totally different team, and the way that Sean Payton is coaching is different as you well. Mean it's a like, team game. It, it is a team game. I can't game. believe that. I thought it was all about quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, well, but Tim thinks so, but it's, it's not true. New on NFL Live from our ESPN Cowboys reporter Todd Archer. The Cowboys did receive a bit of piece of good news on Monday on the injury suffered by left tackle Tyron Smith. While it is a high right ankle sprain, he says it doesn't look like it's as severe as they initially thought, according to a source. And while his availability for this week's game against the Green Bay Packers is still unknown, it doesn't look to be a major sprain of the ligament that could keep him out for a long period of time, which is good because, Mort, as you know, those high ankle sprains are really tricky and they do linger. I have one right now. Yeah. Oh, you do? All right. Listen, everybody's <laughs> like playing back And meanwhile, news today out of Chicago. Bears quarterback Mitchell Trubisky suffered a left shoulder injury early in the first quarter on Sunday. He missed the rest of that game. And there is further information today regarding what's next for the Bears quarterback as we say hello to Chris Mortensen in the Domino's pregame HQ. Uh, the latest on the Mort Report, and we'll start with what we know now about Mitchell Trubisky. Yes, and, and as Adam Schefter had reported, he has a dislocated left, left shoulder. This is non-throwing shoulder, but he still plays football, so that means he can't be hit for a while. He has some damage to his labrum in that shoulder, but it doesn't need surgery, and he is making the trip to London with the team, so that's a good sign. He won't be active, obviously, for a while. Uh, whether he returns in four weeks, five weeks, remains to be seen. In the meantime, Chase Daniel takes over the reins. I think Tyler Bray being signed up from the practice squad to back up Chase. And they, by the way, Daniel and Bray both are more familiar with Matt Nagy's offense than even Mitch Trubisky is. Which will help, you, you would think, at least in the short term. Josh Allen, we can debate the hit, but nevertheless suffered a concussion in the loss to the Patriots. What's next for, for the Bills quarterback? Well, the Bills quarterback is in concussion protocol, so that means he will go through a series of tests until they clear him to play, and he may have got cleared in time. But one thing about Josh Allen, uh, is certainly he's a gifted athlete. He's a big guy. He was among the best athletes outside of Lamar Jackson at the scouting combine and in that quarterback class. But he's so competitive that this is something they have to coach out of him. He's, he, and he's a really smart guy, but that's not smart football. Well, it's counterintuitive, right? You think that competitive advantage is a good thing, but you got to protect yourself. Well, because you, you he's trying be to get available. the first down yeah, there in a, in a big game, but well, obviously... Won't help if you're not play. out there. Uh, Jets were on a bye last week. This is the quarterback edition of the Mort Report, because I'm going to ask you about Sam Darnold and his recovery from mono. Yeah, uh, as we know, he, he uh, had mono. His spleen was enlarged, so they've gone through this process here where he's been cleared, but not for contact yet. He's, he, he hadn't been even cleared for running it until this week, so he'll step up his cardio. That's a lot to ask in a short week to get back in week five. So I think it's a, obviously somewhat optimistic that he could play this week, but that he will be able to practice and go through it. But if he's not cleared for contact, even in a non-contact practice, you can get bumped around. So we'll see how he goes this week, and uh, certainly he's hopeful. He's very frustrated. Well, I'm sure, and the hope was after this bye week, but we'll yeah. see. Uh, several players returning from suspension because there were four-game suspensions, and now as we look towards Week 5. So let's go through some of these, including the Titans' Taylor Lewan. Yeah, Taylor Lewan, left tackle for the Titans. Hey, everybody's 2-2 two and two in that division. So yeah. Mar- Marcus Mariota, who I think has surprised some people, especially with yesterday's performance against the Atlanta Falcons, gets back his big left tackle. And there's also Ben Watson for the Patriots. They got a tight end, at least, and one that they know, and a veteran tight end that Tom Brady can trust to be there and help out in the running game. They know him well. And finally, Golden Tate with Golden the Giants. T- Golden Tate was signed with the Giants. Big contract in the offseason, but got suspended for a PED violation. He's been in San Diego working out with a trainer named Todd Durkin, along with Melvin Gordon. 
Uh, we exchanged messages over the weekend. He's excited to get back. Oh, by the way, yes, he, he, listen, he, he worked with Eli Manning in the offseason, but he caught a couple passes from Daniel Jones, two passes in the last preseason game. And uh, all I can tell you, he is revved up to play, and, and they're excited because they're starting to get healthy at the receiving. Yeah, 2-0 and oh, Daniel Jones, I might add. 2-0 oh, Daniel Jones. There we go. In celebration of the NFL's 100th season, we look back at this date in NFL history. September 30th, 2001, Tom Brady made his first career NFL start for the Patriots. That came a week after taking over for an injured Drew Bledsoe. Fittingly, Brady's start would come against Peyton Manning in the Colts. New England used an impressive defensive performance and three rushing touchdowns to win it 44-13. Including the playoffs, it would be the first of 17 career matchups as starting quarterbacks between Brady and Manning. You know what's scary? There might not be a unit better than the Patriots' defense this season, and these are the defending Super Bowl champs. New England has allowed just one scrimmage touchdown tied for the fewest through four games since the merger. They've also forced a league-best 10 takeaways with Devin McCourty becoming the first player in 16 years with a pick in each of his team's first four games. Patriots head coach Bill Belichick, certainly a defensive-minded coach. He has had some good ones. But how about this on Overreaction Monday? This is Belichick's best Patriots defense, Mort. I'm going to say not an overreaction because the guy that Bill Belichick calls the perfect Patriot, our Teddy Bruschi, has said that this is the best Patriots defense since 2003-2004 and has a chance to exceed it. Now, they don't have Willie McGinnis. Mm Mm-hmm. And they don't even have Richard Seymour. Yesterday, though, they were missing Dante Hightower. Mm-hmm. Now, they gave it their first touchdown when Josh Allen had that seat. First yes. touchdown since Kansas City in the AFC Championship game next year. That's insane, and though. I know Patriots teams, they don't get worse. They get better as the season goes on. They so I'll don't. say it's not an overreaction. I think this is an overreaction, but just for right now. What, what is because, that? Because, like the ultimate sitting on the uh, fence? It's, it's definitely, it's definitely sitting on the fence. Okay. Because it's hard to say, <laughs> it's hard to say that this is the best defense they've ever had after four games. Yeah. Now they've played the best I've seen a New England Patriots defense play for the first four games of a season, but there's so much season left to go. And you have gotten the opportunity to play against the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins. As the season oh. gets rolling mm-hmm. and you get to see some of these other offenses can they dominate in the way that they have thus far? But the one thing I can say about them is they're beating people the way they're supposed to be defensively. They're playing against bad offenses, offenses that, are, that, that lack the talent to compete with this team, and they're putting them away quickly. And that's what you have to do if you want to be dominant. It's an overreaction for me. I think we do need to look at the, who they've played. I mean, I think that really ends up being what it is. And you think about what some of the players – that were on those great Patriot defenses have accomplished. It's just, that's why I think it's hard for me. And so I think without Teddy's kind of stamp of approval, it's hard to say. Just when you think about how many good players, like, you know, Hall of Fame caliber players, you know, were on some of those defenses. So it's an overreaction for me. I want to see how they play, you know, against teams that really have the firepower offensively and can really, really challenge you. And so... um, Like when you play against NFL offenses. It's I logical. Mean, that's, a, that's, a, that's logical. But yeah. it is overreaction Monday, so I mean, you know, right. but, but no, yeah. Well, logic is not required. Right. You can use it if you so choose, but on overreaction Monday, it's optional. This, though, from the team facing that Patriots defense this week, in any way you slice it, that Patriots defense is good. 
Jay Gruden says he does not know who will start at quarterback. Wants to see the health of Keenum and McCoy. That's Colt McCoy first. Haskins in the mix. First start or didn't came in, didn't go well. Gruden said he won't keep Haskins on the bench just because it's New England. Okay. If it's the best chance to to win, he'd start. No, he couldn't. And the question there, of course, you know, how how, how much you want to put this rookie in, in in peril, so to speak, against that, that defense. But he says we it doesn't just, matter. We were just talking about if New England's defense is the best that Bill Belichick has ever had. Okay, yeah. Wayne Haskins comes in against the Giants, who are not a team that everyone views as this great defense. No. And he threw three interceptions in less than a full game. And so I think the idea of you know giving him his first start when, when his first playing time went so poorly – it just might be a good idea to not start him. I saw tomorrow. some flashes. Maybe. Uh, uh, yeah. Listen, Peyton Manning threw 28 yes. interceptions in his rookie year or whatever, and there was a time where his knees buckled. He, he admitted it, and, and, and Jim Morris said, hey, you need to go back out there. Dwayne Are you Haskins, taking a deep breath? Sorry. Dwayne Haskins, guys, has only played one season of football. You don't get better standing around and watching people play. You've got to play and take your lumps. Even if it's against, the, so, even if it's against the best so team in the league? I'm so tired of this with Jay Gruden. Like, this is something we've seen from him. We mm-hmm. saw it with RG3 and Kirk Cousins, the way that he, he was kind of hesitant to make a decision there and go with a guy that he felt would be the starter. And then when you get Kirk Cousins and he becomes a solid starter in the NFL, you still aren't sold on him enough to give him a contract. And now you have this situation where we all know he likes Colt McCoy and he's waiting on Colt McCoy to play. And if that's what you're waiting on, and I don't necessarily know what Case Keenum injury situation we're waiting on, don't put Dwayne Haskins in the game against the Giants. And not only because if, if you don't feel that he's ready, I don't think the time for a rookie to get into a game is when you have to thrust him in there because somebody isn't playing well. Let Case Keenum continue to run you down this Ofer road and start him in the game where he gets to practice, prepare, and have a game plan that is made for him. Yes. And, if that's, and if that's this week against New England, that's fine. So but don't throw him out there against New York and then have him look the way he does. Which, he, which then, they already did. Right, and then go. Yeah, but that's not, I don't think that's fair to say that that's Jay Gruden's fault that he went in and looked, and looked terrible against the Giants. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, Gardner Minshew was thrown in. He came in and played great. No, I'm not. You know, so, like, so I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that that's Jay Gruden's fault. Right. I'm saying, and we've spoken about it, and you know more about this than me. So I know I'm not telling you anything. It's a it's a legit skill to be able to be a backup quarterback. From this standpoint, you don't get the reps, you don't get the coaching, you don't get the opportunities during the week that the starter sorry. does. And so when you're thrust in there, you have to be a guy who can who can understand those things and execute. And so maybe Dwayne Haskins isn't that guy. Yeah, but fair. now that he's out there, it's tough to pull back on him and be like and not show any confidence in him. So you'd start him against New England? I would. Yes. All right. Two out of three ain't bad. We'll see. Uh, apparently that they're still waiting on Colt McCoy and the update on his health. Mm, get a little testy, folks. Yeah, we know about here. a month into the season. Oh, it's he's a long starting season. to get tired. Mm. Let's pick it. Tonight. I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, is this even a question? 27-17 at home. They get the running game going. That new defensive uh, acquisition, Mika Fitzpatrick, showed big dividends last week. They can make some plays. You just want to be able to go back there. Yeah. I think that's why. Yep, okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going Bengals, actually. Uh, um, I can't come with you when you go. Um, I'm (laughs) going Bengals. I just think that, you know, so many, you know, backup quarterbacks, so many things going on. 20-17. to That's fine. I'll go. You can buy me a beer. Okay. 
Steelers, 20-17. to 17. Same Windy score, Knicks. different uh, team. Is welcome Thank on you. Thank you, Pittsburgh. <laughs>